something that includes all of us, or at least the opportunity for all of us uh, to take what he has given and to share it with others as well as let it change us. I'm really here this morning uh, because I want to encourage you to join us and to continue to join us as partners at EEM. Your church gives every single month, and we are grateful for the dollars that you give. We convert those into Bibles in 27 different languages, and it's exciting uh, to see 36 different nations, uh, people living in those countries total over 350 million people. And it's just amazing to see what God is doing with your prayers, uh, with your giving, and with our European team and all the logistics that go into publishing, printing, and distributing God's Word, which is so easy to underestimate the power that God has in His Word. So, in 2022, you all here at this church gave 660 Bibles, the equivalent of $3,300. Um, In the years from 2021 through this year so far, you have given 1,770 Bibles. That's a total of $8,850. This fall, I'm just praying that you will pray more than ever for this ministry and that you will give more than ever to this ministry as well. Some of you give individually. uh, Some of you give every month even. And every single one of those gifts, I trust, is coming with prayer as well because we see God moving in powerful ways and we know that it's in response to um, the prayers of our partners. Well, each year God is opening new doors to new people. And as you can see on the screen right here behind me, as Norm mentioned, just short last year of two million Bibles and books were able to be given. Uh, Hundreds of thousands beyond that were asked for, and we simply couldn't say yes to all of those requests. So it's a good problem to have, but one that we're working and praying as hard as we can uh, so that we can say yes to every single person that is asking. As you saw in the video just a moment ago, we have just kicked off what we are now calling the HOPE campaign, what we used to call Million Dollar Sunday, but it's long since been more than a million dollars, and not just on one Sunday, but a lot of individuals and and churches across the country uh, have been giving for years towards what we call Million Dollar Sunday, and it really runs from September 1st through the end of the year, this year and every year. Uh, So this year we're renaming it, coming up with a, a better title that I think won't have an expiration date anytime, and that is HOPE. 800,000 Bibles reaching people um, across uh, over 20 different nations. It's a $4 million project, so I hope that you will pray and that you'll share this opportunity with somebody else. You may have a cousin in Illinois that doesn't know about the EEM opportunity. Uh, You may have kids that live in Idaho. I hope that you would take seriously the opportunity, not just to pray and give as you are, uh, but to share this opportunity with someone else as well. So join us. Uh, Share the Bible with someone who has never owned one in their own language before. A lot more information than what I've just shared and even more than what I shared in class is out on the the two, I guess we'll call them the blue tables out there, the blue tablecloths. 
and you, I have a couple of sample Bibles. They're the only ones I've got, so don't take those, but everything else on those tables is for you and for you to take to other friends or neighbors, anybody who might want to help get a Bible to someone. But if you want to see what a Russian Old and New Testament looks like, that's the black sample Bible out there. If you want to see what one of our children's Bibles looks like, it's the purple one out there, and it's in Ukrainian language. So again, thank you for your partnership and for letting me be here to share some this morning. If you would, please open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. We're looking especially at this verse starting in 18, uh, but Hebrews chapter 6, and I'll have it on the screen as well. As with any piece of ancient literature, I guess, or even modern literature, there may be some hidden cultural meanings, and we don't have time to unpack all of the intricacies of of the book of Hebrews and what it might have sounded like if we were first century people reading it compared to 21st century people now. But pay attention in this verse to what does jump out to you as clear, as easy to understand, and something that you can take with you today. So Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18, therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. And Jesus has already gone in there for us. For over a year, EEM has been offering a podcast. Uh, So if you're a podcaster, I guess we're speaking your language now. But even if you're not, just simple recordings of God's stories, of which we have many to choose from and to share. One of those was especially featuring Dasha Novakova, who you see here in this next picture, even a little bit larger. She is our Ukraine country director. You can go to the next slide there. There she is. In the interview on this podcast, Dasha reflects on the way that the war is affecting her and her daughter and her mother, who all three left about four days before the war began and came to Vienna, Austria as refugees. Safe, but can you imagine putting your child into a school where they speak German and she only speaks Ukrainian and Russian? Well, that's just the start of the challenges that they faced, even as our own co-workers. And yet she talked more than just about her own family. She especially talked about her country, Christians in Ukraine, And one particular story stood out, and I'm just going to quote a part of it straight from Dasha's own words. She says, when Ukrainians flee their homes because of the war, they have to go to a different place and they're totally alone. Nobody cares for them. What do you do when you only have a backpack? So this is when volunteers and churches step up, she says, and reach out to these people and provide help. We are working with them. We are providing financial assistance. We are providing Bibles for them. In the winter, 
when there are blackouts and there is no electricity, no heat, no water supply. What do people do? Dasha asks. They gather together and try to stay warm. The more people, the warmer it is. Such a simple thing that we forget about. But people are forced to adjust, and they take Bibles, and they read them with candles. And we're receiving amazing pictures of people reading Bibles with candles. And Dasha goes on, and it could be us perhaps talking now, but she says from Vienna, and of course, as we are in a safe place, we think this looks so nice. This looks so cozy. It looks so peaceful. But no, it is not. It is people who are down. It is people who are not doing it because it feels good. They are doing it because they have no other hope. They have nothing else but this group, this candle, this Bible to read and get strengthened. There's more in that interview if you want to go to our website and hear it. But did you hear that line when she says, they are not doing it because it feels good. They are doing it because they have no other hope. My paraphrase of Dasha's words, this is not a Thomas Kincaid painting to hang on our walls and feel warm and cozy about the light. This is desperation, necessity, and a beautiful moment in the midst of a horrible, tragic war. I want to avoid painting some sort of overly romantic picture of Ukrainian people. Please understand, right now in Ukraine, it is hard. Their world is shattered and broken. Many are suffering deep-set trauma, intense emotional pain and grief, not to mention all of the physical death and suffering. And it's all because of a war that began over 19 months ago now. They are in desperate need of hope, the kind of hope that will anchor them, not optimism, but biblical hope, the assurance and the certainty, a, a trustworthy anchor for our souls, hope. And they are fleeing, running to the very presence of God as refugees. I think few of us here in the United States have a clue as to what they're really going through every single day. We cannot at least easily even imagine, much less understand the depths of the pain and the tragedy of any people in war, now Israel included, but certainly Ukrainian people enduring for so many months. And yet, as Dasha points out, they are holding on. Wherever Christians are present, people are finding Christ's hope in a group, in a candle, in a Bible. They are broken, but they are drawing strength from Christian community. 
They're drawing strength from the light of God's love as they experience it together and from His written precious Word that we can so easily take for granted here in America. And meanwhile, here in the U.S., I think we have a very complicated situation. Most of us are not experiencing anything like the suffering that Ukrainians are. We don't fear drone attacks or incoming missiles. We eat and drink plenty. We sleep in our own beds, live in our own houses or apartments. Nearly all of us are blessed with physical safety and comfort. And yet, according to a recent LifeWay research study, Across our country, almost 70% of church leaders say that their churches are filled with a growing sense of fear about the future of our nation and our world. On top of this, they found that 63% of these church leaders would say that their churches have a similar and increasing dread and fear about the future of Christianity. Fear is replacing hope. I've seen it. I'm guessing you have too. It's certainly in social media. Sometimes it's after a church assembly. Sometimes in small groups or in Bible class discussions. We see fear in people's eyes. We hear it in their voices. We lament declining church attendance. We mourn churches that once were powerhouses, but now we hear they're closing their doors. We're painfully aware of growing preacher shortages, leadership scandals, and the list goes on endlessly. We wring our hands in fear, do we not? We, we double down on solutions that we've tried over and over again, and they really were not solutions in the first place. We think if we hire just the right pre preacher who's the right age and has the right skill and experience, that somehow everything will just take care of itself. If we can find the right children's program or a really energetic youth leader or that perfect marketing strategy or evangelistic sales pitch, or if we could just get the right political leaders elected, but if we're honest with each other, those things have never really worked. And yet on the other side of our world in Ukraine right now, in the middle of life-threatening devastation, God's people are looking for hope and strength in a group, in a candle, in a Bible. And when push comes to shove, and it has in Ukraine, they band together for encouragement. And then they go out. And rather than worry about numbers or programs, they find ways to go out and serve other broken people. They find resources, they feed the hungry, they bandage the wounded, sometimes literally. And they love on the crushed and the desolate. And if they don't keep doing that today, someone will die. And when they're asked why they're doing it, 
They often give similar answers. One said it this way, Sergei said, we do it so that people will see Jesus Christ in us. So they will know Him. People are going through tough times, he says. The Lord will keep them and comfort them. He will give them hope. So Ukrainians trying to survive this war, our brothers and sisters trying to serve people in the midst of war in Ukraine, they're not looking at church growth programs or trends. They just have this group, this candle, this Bible, and love for their neighbors. They're not worried about the future of Christianity or the state of the church. And it's not just in Ukraine, it's it's among Roma Christians in Bulgaria who themselves are quite impoverished and yet they're going out in their communities and feeding orphans and widows every day, serving drug addicts, putting a roof over a young widow's home and asking us for Bibles so that they can keep on sharing with other Bulgarians the good news in their own language. We see it among people in Bosnia, as you see in this picture, a man named Bronco that I got to meet. Bronco is a Christian leader in his country. He teaches and preaches. He says, even Muslim mothers ask me for children's Bibles to teach their children. Bronco said, we are in need of Christian materials. The USA has far more options, such a luxury. It is the opposite in Bosnia, he says. War has opened the hearts to God's Word, and how precious it is when people ask for Bibles instead of aid in the middle of war. Is it possible that in our efforts to grow bigger churches, we forget that it was never our job to give the increase or to make the seed of the gospel grow? Is it possible that on the way to that shiny new church building, we have forgotten about love? Is it possible to forget about trust? Is it possible that we have forgotten that God is the one who's responsible for making His church grow? What's our calling? We have one. It's not to sit back and just receive the blessings of God. We're called to plant the seeds of the good news and then trust God to make it grow. So please don't misunderstand. There are no perfect churches in Ukraine, in Bulgaria, in Bosnia, or anywhere else. We all have our problems. We will always struggle with our humanity. But we need to take our eyes off of the things that we fear. We need to turn our eyes away from fear and focus instead on Jesus Christ. And with our focus on the Savior who died for us, we will naturally then show compassion to a crushed and broken world. And I'm old enough to at least partially understand that it is easy to get bogged down with dread 
It's easy to get caught up in social media fears, uh, social media feeds, and be sucked into all kinds of fears. It's easy to allow a vague sense of panic to take up residence in our souls. But one of the most repeated commands in Scripture, 365 times, in fact, says, Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Think of the Joshua chapter 1 passage. Be bold and courageous. Do not be afraid. I, the Lord, am with you. It's just another way of saying we have hope. Not some good odds optimism. We have a certainty, a rock solid, a trustworthy anchor for our very own souls eternally, here and forever. Back to Dasha's statement, the situation in Ukraine is not comfortable. It is not easy. It is hard. But they are looking for hope. And what they have is this group, this candle, this Bible. So you might be asking, how does that work? Well, it isn't a magic formula. It isn't legalism. It's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us in the sixth chapter. God has thrown us this lifeline as an anchor for our souls. And the writer of Hebrews goes on in chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people and then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Lots of things you could draw just from these four verses, but without a doubt, God is telling us to recognize and to listen to the community that surrounds us on this Christian race that we are all called to be running. If you have given your life to Christ, you have signed up for a marathon of marathons, an ultra marathon, if you will. We don't know how long or how short it actually may be, but we're all in as followers of Jesus. And this great cloud of witnesses, it includes so many who've gone on before us, but it also includes the person to your left and to your right, right now. If there's someone sitting in front of you or behind you, it includes them. And it includes you. 
and our calling as being a part of and listening to this crowd, this huge crowd of witnesses that are cheering us on in this race, we are called to say things like, you can make it. Don't quit. Have hope. It may seem bleak, but you are a follower of Jesus and therefore you have hope. We're certainly not called to tear each other down. We are called to cheer each other on. And God also calls us to throw off all of the extra stuff that weighs us down like runners who take off a track suit at the right time. It's kept them warm. It has served its purpose. But when that gun is about to go off and it's time to, to just have your tank top and your shorts and your you know, $750 track shoes, you get down into those blocks and you prepare to give everything you've got as that race begins. We don't want anything holding us back even seemingly useful or good things. So we shed everything except what is absolutely necessary. That's part of our calling. We're called to become lean in our approach as followers of Jesus. And our example is Jesus. He cared for people. He served the physical and spiritual needs of His community and the world. So we need to get rid of all of the distracting periphery in our lives. It boils down to one thing. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He is the trailblazer. He has already run the course. He looked straight in the face of what he knew would be a violent death. And he chose to go through it for you. For me. For all of us. He suffered the cross. He ignored its, its great shame. And because He had His eyes on His Father, He had hope. He knew something incredibly better was coming. He knew there was joy ahead. Our world needs hope, yes? We need hope. We need to let go of our fear and trust the One who has gone before us, Jesus. So I pray for all of our partners in EEM and you are certainly among that huge crowd of witnesses. And this is just one of my prayers for all of you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit overflow the Eugene Church of Christ with confident hope. If you want to give your life to Christ this morning, become His disciple today. You can choose Him as your Savior and Lord and be baptized. Have all of your sins completely washed away. Be filled with His Holy Spirit it's the most 
important decision that you could possibly make. And I'm sure the leaders of this church will be happy to, to serve you if that's what you'd like to do this morning. Or if you have any prayers for yourself, for your family, for your children, your co-workers, or anyone else that God has made you aware of, and you'd like the prayers of this church, I know the leaders uh, will be happy to hear whatever it is and be happy to lead this church in prayers for anything. So thank you for the honor of coming and speaking with you this morning. Thank you for our partnership together. And if you have any need and would like to come forward, uh, we're about to sing a song. So as we stand and worship, please come forward. Oh, Lord, prepare me.